Oh, hey, you're listening to Pep Talk, a podcast launched during the national lockdown in April 2020 to celebrate and support our favourite New Zealand businesses. Join Grace Creft, ex-lawyer and former owner of Sweet Bakery and Cakery to hear about how some of our favourite businesses built their brands, the ups and downs along the way, and what we can do to support them, both now and once business as usual returns. So, are you ready for a little pep talk on your coffee break? Then here's your host, Grace. So as you might know, if you've spied my Instagram stories this week, I've recently been exploring investing into shares and learning a bit more about share markets. It's always been on my to-do list, but I haven't quite set aside the time to really dig in yet. And so that is where this week's guest comes into things. Kristen co-founded Hatch along with her business partner Natalie, launching just 15 months ago. Hatch is an online platform that allows you to invest directly into the US share markets, all online and super easy from your couch or even just on your phone. Best of all, these are all companies that you know and you've heard of and you use regularly and seriously big ones too like Tesla, Amazon, Apple and even Google. Opening up this world that was previously so inaccessible and not only making it easier for existing investors but also educating and helping along those like me (laughs) who are new to these things is amazing. Kristen is no stranger in the New Zealand startup space. She loves working with digital disruptors and she's a firm believer that this technology should be simplifying our financial lives and helping us to be better with our money. She is Hatch's general manager. So she spends her time working to inspire us Kiwis to be as wealthy as we should be and really just democratizing access to world-class investment like this. As well as being a tech entrepreneur, Kristen also has a huge passion for supporting women in leadership and I can't wait to pick her brain on the work she's doing in this space too. And of course, ask her for some tips for my adventures into share market investing. Let's find out more. Hello. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to Pep Talk. Thank you. How are you? I'm really good. I am very interested to get into this chat all about Hatch. Are you phoning in from your office or are you doing work from home still a bit at the moment? I am still working from home, even though we're day one of level one. um, I'm celebrating at home. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Do you think that you guys will all start creeping back slowly now? Do you know what? I think the extroverts will, um, of which I am as well. But I think um, I'm, I'm quite happy with working at least three days from home. Um, I know that our developers are choosing to stay at home. And then I suspect that some of our extroverts in the customer success and marketing teams are going to be getting back to the office quite quickly. Yeah. But um, honestly, I, I, I think it's just going to it is the new world in that um, I suspect we're unless we have a social gathering at work, we're not going to be together physically. Um, for some time it's going to be really interesting yeah i think you're right i think it's really really opened people's eyes up to how doable it is to work from anywhere and i'm sure like a forward-thinking tech firm like you you guys already knew that but i think a lot of more of the maybe old school places are realizing now that it's like you can just work from home and you get maybe more done from home 
than yeah, you did in the office. Just even the commute. I think just the mental load that we put ourselves through with even I know this sounds silly, but the getting up and making myself presentable and then probably dealing with other stuff, be it life stuff, um, you know, kids, um, uh, you know, get commuting, all that stuff. I just think the mental load is gone and you can just crack right into work, which which has its um, disadvantages as well. Um, but we can chat about that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So before we kind of get into into all of that, it's cool to warm up a little bit. And so I like to do that with some this or that questions. So first up, I have asked this before, but I thought that it would be a good one for you as well, Kristen. So first up, we've got spending or saving. Um, spending, but spending on things that are important. Oh, gosh, that's cliche, isn't it? But um, I love spending on adventures and experiences. So, but I'm going to go spending because life is short. And so you've got to live. Good. I love that. And yeah, definitely on board with the experiences, especially mm. for gifting. I'm really into that at the moment. Like, Oh, yeah. good, one. Yeah. good one. Works well. All right. Next, we've got surprises or plans. Um, let's go for surprises in life but I hate to say it it's it's gonna have to be day-to-day it has to be planned oh I'm doing complicated (laughs) answers aren't I oh no I think that's good as long as it's justified I'll allow it and yeah I totally agree with you yeah so you'd like a surprise party is that your jam Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I want to be spontaneous with friends and social and um, even saying yes to new adventures, be it work or travel or living in a different country. But my day to day life, I want to know exactly what I have to get done today to move the needle. So that that requires some planning. Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. So I will allow you to have both. There. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm. Next, we've got fire or heat pump. Uh, fire. Absolutely. Although we're gas, our, our house is gas heating. So like, I'll, I'll insert that as a third option. But if I were to choose between the two, yeah, heat pumps, I'm sorry, just don't cut it. Nothing beats a good fire. Yeah, it is. It is nice how quick a heat pump is. Like if you're really cold, you can just turn it on straight away. It's ready to no, go. No, they but, just yeah. blow cold air. Fall, fail. <laughs> heat pumps are absolute fail. I'm sorry. I'm Canadian. We're going fire. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Well, you see, I didn't know that when I wrote that. So if I'd known, maybe I would have. <laughs> didn't know you feel so strongly on it. I like it. Okay. Monday or Friday? I'm going to go Friday. Um, Monday, um, I'm I'm just thinking of the team now and we're cracking into it and we're attacking a new week and it's all very um, intense. Um, but Friday is a time to celebrate and to actually look back on what we've done and to have a drink. And I'm, I'm all for Friday socials. Nice. And then last one for you, we've got the Arctic or the desert? Oh, it's going to have to be, oh, Okay. Why didn't you ask me about the beach? I'm going to go beach. But if I have to choose between Arctic or desert, um, I'll go the Arctic because um, coming from Canada, you can, um, it's much easier to warm up than cool off. Um, so we'll, we'll just stick with Arctic. Hmm. Good. Have you been to either? No, I haven't. But I mean, Canada's pretty much the Arctic. Yeah, like I lived in a place. (laughs) I lived in a place that was minus 40 in the winter. Oh, wow. Um, And yeah, and we would ice skate and we'd toboggan and we would I was a big snowboarder. And um, I mean, it wasn't minus 40, obviously through it, but a six months of winter and of that one month was in the minus 30 minus 40 range. Yeah. So but if you've got a fire, um, and you've got some fun activities and some hot drinks and friends, you're good to go. 
Oh, I like that. You've sold that well. I'll take it. <laughs> and how long have you been in New Zealand? We've been 10 years, 10 years now. Oh. Did you move out with your family or was that before? Yeah, we did. We came for a two-year adventure and here we are. And we heard those stories when we first arrived. People are like, ah, you'll be here in 10 years. And I was like, no, no, we won't. We just came with a stroller and two babies and a couple suitcases. And here we are. Um, yeah, here the we are. Just charm on you. Whoops, oh. whoops. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> mom. So cool. <laughs> are they all back in Canada yes, still, your family? Yes, all the grandparents, everyone. Um, but here we are. Never mind, they can come visit, yeah? Yeah, not a Except for now, they can't. But <laughs> Hopefully not <Oops>. too long. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You weren't that's to right. know there was going to be a global pandemic when you right? planned this, so we'll yeah. let you off the hook. <laughs> all right, so for the kind of first part of our chats, I'd just like to shelve a little bit, or for the most part, the COVID-19 part of the journey. It's obviously important, but we will get to that. And at the beginning, I just want to hear a bit about your background and the time that you started Hatch because I think it's always really interesting to hear how people ended up where they did because it's so really like a linear straight line and like you've already alluded to maybe it's not planned so how about to begin with you share with us a bit about your personal journey and your background and training and things like that. So I knew I didn't want a status quo but that it's weird because I ended I um I was raised by parents that always said no to the or said yes to the hard things and didn't take kind of the easy pathways. I had two entrepreneurs as um, parents. And so I saw some pretty hard years. Um, so we were entrepreneurial as a family. And um, but I did the uni route, which is, again, the classic route. You do the uni, you go get the corporate job. Um, but it just wasn't I didn't find it satisfying. So I was always looking for that um, kind of the hard route to take like what is what is going to push me out of my comfort zone in this corporate space so i ended up with either companies that were very young um that were in growth mode um kind of not that corporate machinery of you plug in and you're, you're just a number so it was always really important to me um to be making some sort of impact and even though i was kind of in that that small corporate space um with with a couple multinationals but as long as i was um yeah, I suppose making an impact. And then when I got bored, I'd just leave. And so I think my foray into the startup space was actually here in New Zealand. I'd gotten into digital um, in those early days and um, recognizing how you can grow a business using technology, um, you know, it was really quite something new at the, at, at the time, 10 to 15 years ago. And so I knew I was, I wanted to be at the forefront of that and, and growing things using digital. And so startups was really just that. It was like, tick the boxes of this new thing. First of all, it was hard, um, which was of interest to me. It felt new, it felt different. And then it was like growing something from nothing was quite interesting to me. And then leveraging digital. It was like, yes, yes, yes. So I, I just think this whole Silicon Valley and startups and tech came along at the right time. Um, well, maybe not like with a mortgage and two babies. <laughs> that maybe wasn't the right time. I don't recommend that. Like if you're like 25 and you have no um, dependents like and mortgage, do it, do it, do it. Perfect timing, but also, yeah. Yeah, but also if you're 40 with two babies and a mortgage, do it too because um, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So uh, I think um, I, I've, I got into that startup space Um I probably would be bored um, elsewhere, I think. And um, where did I find myself? I think I found myself in fintech, which is really just like, how do you disrupt and change 
our financial lives and make them better with technology? And how do you tear down um, all the just all the crap that we deal with in that space? Like the fact that we don't know where our money is um, being spent. Like we don't have any really clever tools to help budgeting. We don't have any, um, like everything feels really hard with money. And so I think as a result, um, and even insurance, like even just getting insurance is such a garbage experience. And so um, that's really fintech. It's like all these smart people from tech that aren't necessarily from that space, you know, this incumbent, safe, um, risk averse, like, ah, do things by the book and charge high fees and, and, you know, hidden fees here, there, everywhere. I think it's really about a bunch of smart people saying not good enough. Our financial lives, we do not feel in control here. How do we flip it on its head? So that's what was interesting to me was, was in this, in this kind of new thing was called fintech, which looking to overseas, um, you know, all these like challenger banks and, you know, fantastic investing platforms. It was like, oh, well, let's just do that here. So um, that's how I got here. Wow, that was long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. It's a it's a good journey. And so did you, because Hatch is part of Kiwi Wealth, which is a sister company of Kiwi Bank. So how did that all come to be? Were you working within Kiwi Wealth at the time? And that was a bit weird, eh? So I'd run um, a fintech accelerator, and that's really kind of coming out of the um, startup space. This is challenging yourself to take a problem um, and validate it in the community. So whatever your target market is, whoever your customer is going to be, validate it really quickly. And it's kind of this concept of fail fast. It's like you don't need to spend five years building a business. You can actually have it fail within 16 weeks. So it's like go out there and see if someone has the problem um, and then see if they're willing to pay for a solution. Do some fake stuff and smoke and mirrors to help them solve it and see if they're actually going to pay for it. And if they are, go and build something and get it up and running. And even if you do the simplest, smallest thing with tech, um, if you're solving a problem, people are going to, these early adopters are just going to be thankful that you've done it. So um, I, I did that. And then this, and Kiwi Wealth approached me and said, would you do something like that with us? Um, and yeah, that's how I ended up strangely. So so Hatch um, is, I'd say, actually 100% of um, Hatch um, Hatchlings, Hatch staff um, are from the startup world. Um, they're not traditional kind of Kiwi Wealth people, but it was basically like we treat Kiwi Wealth like our investors. And so rather than going out to the angel community or the VC community, we've been able to go to corporate. And that's not uncommon with a kind of in this fintech space, because a lot of these corporates need to, you know, need to innovate. Um, and so we kind of solve that solution for them. And then they solve the funding solution for us, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, that's really interesting. So you kind of still treat it like that startup. It's not like a, a little pod part of Kiwi Wealth. It's like a totally nah. separate thing. And then they're yeah. just your backers kind of. The Absolutely. Way. Ah, Absolutely. I like that. That's how we roll. Yeah. And so that kind of takes us to kicking off this business. And then you've got the idea that we've t- heard a bit about how that came about. You've got Natalie, who's your co-founder, isn't it? She's yes, on yes, board. You've yes, got Kiwi Wealth yeah. on board. What, what do you do next? Like, where do you start knowing the end goal? Like, do you build a team? Is that the first thing that you did? Yeah, well, no, we needed to solve. We needed to first make sure that the problem we were solving, like what problem were we solving? And so we wanted to make a money platform. So that was like, that's pretty broad, right? Like there's so many problems when it comes to money, um, right from, like I said earlier, budgeting money, managing money, um, and then planning for our futures and saving and investing and, and all of that stuff. So we knew it had to be, um, we knew we wanted to solve a problem in that space. And so we just took to the street 
street. So we spoke to hundreds of Kiwis and wanted to um, start with wealth and and actually building um, money and and making people feel wealthier. And so we had to understand like what what does that even mean to you? And what we found for most people and Kiwis um, is that it they they don't equate it to kind of amassing huge amounts of money or um, you know riches. It's not about that stuff. It's actually about having choices. And so they said, look, as long as I have choice, um, as I get a little bit older, and certainly at the end of my life, like I can travel when I want to travel, um, that that's all that's needed. And I think a lot of studies have shown that they're like, if you make this salary, you're, you're pretty sweet, like in terms of happiness, um, I think they've been able, been able to peg it to a very particular salary. And we found that with our chats, it's like, if I'm covering my basic needs, and if I can have choice, if I'm hating my job, um, or if I, like I said, I want to go traveling, you know, when I'm a, a, once a year, um, if I can, you know, whatever, go and pick up a new sport or invest, you know, like invest in something new in my life, um, I'm kind of good. And I think that's like really quite a satisfying life for more, most Kiwis. But what we found is that um, even just doing that was really hard. Um, you know, we had, we spoke to so many people that were on ambitious Kiwis that are on really good salaries um, that just weren't making the most of kind of what was coming in. It was like, at the end of the day, I'm still feeling like I have nothing and I know I should be doing better. That was like the common theme. I know I can be doing better. I know I should be doing better. And there's this huge sense of guilt and everyone deals with that differently. They either go put their head in the sand and they're like, I'm going to ignore this. Um, or, you know, there's this broad spectrum to people that are currently investing and they're like, yeah, I'm feeling really in control. And there's this really big spectrum. So we just thought we would start with um, investing, um, being with, you know, kind of um, out of Kiwi Wealth, being a, a wealth company. And um, but the way we started was kind of not... Um, your traditional investing options that were available in New Zealand. We wanted to do something new, um, innovative, disruptive. And, and so we really challenged ourselves with what would make um, uh, investing engaging and for everyone and kind of democratize this feeling of it's for me too. And that's where we thought, well, what if you could invest in the, the most recognizable brands, the most innovative companies, um, these brands that we surround ourselves with that we know and love, and, and that would make it relatable. Um, and you could then tailor a portfolio that's unique to you. So that's why we started what we started. Um, you know, big plans and big vision to come. But, you know, what if you could basically build a portfolio of things that you cared about and back the future that you believe um, that's unique to you and treating kind of Kiwis like very unique that I think that would our, our hypothesis is that's going to engage people in upping their wealth and inspiring them to do better in all parts of their life. Um, because they finally get a grip on, ah, this is what it's like. This is how, you know, an avenue to grow your money. Yeah. And don't feel that guilt anymore about not doing anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And so you've got your team that's built up and I guess you do a lot of te testing and things to kind of get it up yep, and running. Did yep. that take a while? Yep. Um, so we, when we first did that kind of, I guess, yeah, to, so we kind of were like, let's do this whole brand thing. We found a partner and then we put it in front of people and as a prototype and they were like, oh my goodness, when is this launching? Like, when can I invest in Apple and invest in this green? And so I think that was it. So, but that took us three weeks, um, you know, and you mock up a prototype on your phone and, and then people are like, when is this launching? And we're like, we think we've got something. So we, we were pretty deliberate about who our early, um, target market was and it was people that kind of understood investing like they, they we didn't have to take them from a barrier of like knowing nothing to 
um, investing. But but that's just because it was early adopters. We we're like, we just have to start with people that know what they're doing um, and, and start there. And so I think it was really defining kind of that early adopt. Like you're not going to be everything for everyone. So we had to be really deliberate about for ambitious Kiwis that understand these brands and want to buy a piece of these businesses, um, probably recognize they're in KiwiSaver, potentially are on the property ladder, um, it, that KiwiSaver is an investment, I should say. And so have kind of the beginning of um, getting their you know stuff sorted and then we were just like kicking them into overdrive um so yet we, we once people were like "Ooh, how do i do this we're like okay now it's time to build it's so a good that's sign. When we, yeah yeah so we hired developers um and i think we got to seven and when we launched we were at seven people so it just kept it super lean because it still felt like if if we fail um which is a very real possibility you know, the seven of us will be fine. We'll be right. <laughs> but you didn't want to have that that pressure of um, of more. So a huge yeah, team. So we, yeah. Yep. Yep. So we did we did a beta whereas where we only opened up to 50 people for the first three months. Um, and then once we felt comfortable, then we just opened it up to the New Zealand market. So that was probably just over 15 months ago that we've kind of went full live um, with with kind of the U.S. share market offering. Yeah. Yeah. How much sleep did you get the night before it went live? That must be scary. Oh, I think I felt pretty good by the beta. I have to say, like, I, I probably felt good. But I have to say, I, do, I don't sleep anyway. So, like, yeah, oh, really? I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. I come from a family of non-sleepers. And You're so one of those I, people that doesn't need yeah. much sleep. I probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. jealous of yeah. those people. I'm like an eight <laughs> hours a night kind of gal. <laughs> so is my husband. I'm like, man, that guy is always sleeping. <laughs> You're like, wake up. I want to do something. Wake up. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Totally. I think like the best thing, I think when you, basically when you described your person, I feel like you described me. And so that's really oh. interesting to kind of hear you saying that. And I think uh, I think the best part of it that I can see is that accessibility aspect, as you've kind of described a little bit already, like before platforms like this would have been there, I just don't even have any idea how you would be mm. buying shares in these companies. Yeah. And like, I think I read a review when I was looking at you guys about it was along the lines of you know we've been able to buy books online for so long and now we can buy shares online which just makes perfect sense and I'm interested in how that's played out for you like have you now that you've you've 15 months down the line are you finding that it is uh that accessibility is a big success part of Hatch like are you opening up to new investors or is it just making it easier for people who did it already I would say I'd definitely say a bit of both I'd I'd say probably 60 to 70 percent our existing investors and we're looking for again looking for the problem to be solved and that was important because we needed those kind of early adopters we didn't we didn't want to convince them to invest so it was like you're doing this it's hard you've been looking for the solution here it is and we just knew that would be a really easy way to kind of seed the business if that made sense and so what that allowed us to do is get up and running right away with um, a customer base and refine the product with them um, yeah and then what we found is that um, because we were offering this easy access to these really recognizable brands, I'd say 30 to 40% probably, maybe not first time investing, but certainly first time investing in these share markets. So there was, so what we recognized quite quickly is we needed to provide the education, um, which was a key part of it. And they weren't necessarily young. I mean, we are, are, I'd say um, kind of 35-ish 
um, to, to late 30s, 40s is probably the key, the um, bulk of our, our um, investors. It's just that they've what they've done is it's just been something that's been invisible to them. Like they might have stuff that's invisible, but they actually haven't engaged with it and taken control of a portion of this wealth or upskilled in that area. They're like, they're busy, they're professionals. They kind of got really successful things going on and kind of stop and take on a whole new thing that's potentially like boring or not for them. Um, hasn't really been of interest. So, yeah, there, there's probably the, th- yeah, yeah. It's so. a good way of putting it because I, yeah, I think there's like definitely that education piece because I think a lot of things like that, you've got it at the back of your mind and you're like, that's something I'm going to do one day and I'm interested in it, but just the time to learn, uh, understand before you make any moves is what's missing. And so, yeah, yeah your education right. content and everything just looks perfect for that, and then, which and- is- and then enter lockdown, enter lockdown. And that's exactly what people did. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, I definitely yeah. want to hear about that. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. also interested in, because I was, so I was out for dinner last night with some girlfriends and, and we were talking about Hatch and, and that I was talking to you today. And, and I don't want to force gender stereotypes onto this because it's something that frustrates me. But I think I don't necessarily feel like this personally because I'm lucky to have a background in managed funds. So I do understand a bit mm. of it. But genuinely what came up was that maybe as females, we don't feel super confident in this world of finance and wealth and investing and shares like Mm -hmm, it's intimidating mm -hmm. and it's not something we're comfortable in and I'm interested to hear if that's something that you found to be true and and maybe like where you think that comes from and and what you guys are doing at Hatch to kind of help even that out a little bit. Yeah I think um, probably as females we're socialized to be a touch more risk averse Um, so that's the first thing with with money I knew that we're we're really probably what the second generation to make money Um, so you had a generation before us that were kind of that were um, or before them that were just managing money like money came into the household and all they did was manage it so they weren't actually the ones making it or growing it Um, and so those that that gets passed down right and also it's like in society it's like the men were out making it we were simply managing it and so we're really like talking about one generation if not two where we've actually gone out and um, made it Um, and I just don't think we've caught up in terms of how do we grow it and manage it Um, and I and I mean in a in a serious way like not with a little bit um, here and there but like how do we grow it in a serious way because we do need to catch up we've got um, you know we've got a a pay gap as females um, that we need to worry about Um, you know that most retirement calculators are built for men not only their lifespan but they're not taking gaps like we do like we're the ones that have to take time out to have kids um, quite often the primary caregivers with aging parents and so um, I think there's uh, I think that's probably it must you know just stems from this like it's really entrenched is that finance making money risk-taking is for men we see that with a Wall Street culture um, and I think um, yeah that just kind of the safe savings and managing and budgeting is for women so sadly so how we are dealing with it um, look when we first launched we definitely knew that seeding was going to be confident investors um, and those did tend to be slightly more skewed to males um, but what we've done is we've um, you know, very quickly put up this Hatch Getting Started course and really talked about what we're trying to do is appeal to women in that you can build a portfolio of stuff you care about. So if you kind of think about putting, um, you know, 70 to 80% of your money into like a fund, 
Um, so that can be an exchange traded fund or an index fund or a managed fund, like just something that's like the boring thing you don't have to think about. It's really well diversified. So just think of like a bucket with hundreds of companies in it and you're, you're just, you know, lumping money away better there than in your savings account. I think, um, where Hatch wants to play is it's like, then start to think about the things that you care about. And I think this is what appeals to females. It's like you care about clean, um, energy or you care about retail or you care about um, health care or, um, you know, gender diversity. These are all things you can actually invest in. Um, and so you can actually start to, um, or it could be just even as like, it could be Lululemon or it could be, um, I don't know, what are some other uh, popular shares that I'd see a lot of females in. Um, Slack would be a good example. And so I think what you can start to do is you can say, look, I know that the bulk of my money is growing and is working for me and in, in either like a really, um, like I said, popular exchange traded fund, like really co- some of the real common ones that are hugely diverse um, and or a managed fund. And then now you can start to tailor something that's uniquely you. And I think that's probably the engaging part. It's like, well, what do you care? What do you know really well? What, you know, what are you using every day? What are the trends that you're seeing? And what do you want your future to look like? And then you can start to play with that 20 to 30% where you're like, um, you know, I back yeah, Tesla, I back green, green, clean energy, I back Lululemon and Slack or, um, you know, the future that I want to see. And so I think, I think that's where we can start to engage people is that this is like actually about you and crafting a, a portfolio that's uniquely tailored to you. And I think that's where it makes it personal and people then feel in control because they're like, ah, I'm basically investing in a business and or a sector or an industry. So all I have to do is really understand that. And, and I think we know a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. I really like that. And I definitely agree. I think that's the most engaging part of it uh, for me personally when I when I look at it, what's out there. And it's so interesting what you say about the generational factor because I, you know, I hadn't really considered that, but it's so true. And also it makes you think like, what's it going to be like in a couple of generations time? Like if we've come this far with it already and then we're only two generations in, then imagine what all these females are going to be doing. It's like my daughter, what's oh, she going to be up They'll be rocking it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll be yeah. It. it's very yeah. exciting. And it, yeah, because great promise for the future. And I know that this, yeah, this kind of ties into another area, which I know is a big passion area for you. And really interesting for me too, is the women in leadership area. And I guess, especially maybe for you being a leader in the tech entrepreneur space, an area that I imagine maybe naively is can be quite male dominated. Maybe you can tell Mm. us a bit about your work in this area, because I know that you do active mentoring and things like that. And maybe you can open our eyes up a little bit as well for people listening as to what we're actually talking about in terms of inequality and in leadership. Yeah, I think same thing with computers um, with my generation. Uh, probably a lot of listeners are younger, but um, computers ended up in the 70s in boys' rooms. And so it was this thing of like um, females didn't feel that technology or computers were for them. It was like, ah, oh, because the boys wanted to know, the, understand the mechanics of the computer and they didn't care. Yeah, it was, it was, it was just slightly different. Whereas I think females are quite purpose led. And so um, I tend to kind of look at tech as solving a problem in the world. Um, you know, we, we want this world to be inherently good. We believe it to be inherently good. And so we need inherently good people creating the technology for tomorrow, which includes, you know, at, at minimum 50% of women need to be doing that because we have different motivations, um, probably in terms of empathy factor, um, user experience is different for how females engage with the world, things that we care about. Again, we care probably um, less about like inputs and some of um, some of the technical things, but we certainly care 
about outputs and community and um, and and benefiting society. And so um, I just think it's our it's our uh, duty <laughs> to be very much involved in technology and building the world of tomorrow. Like if we believe tech is is going to basically um, solve a number of our problems, um, we certainly need women involved. And so I, I, you know, encourage all women to, um, you know, get into tech. And, and it doesn't mean that you have to code, you know, you don't have to develop and you don't have to be a developer if that's not what you want. But we've just hired, you know, fantastic female developer. Um, but, I, but I do think that you need to be thinking creatively, um, problem solving, um, you know, looking at, at how to make, you know, how to solve problems um, in a unique, unique way and challenging the status quo. And I think females are in a fantastic position to do that. And so I, I think you can sit in any position. Um, I tend to, I tended to take that I, I like pulling strings and making sure wheels are greased. And so I tend to take like a COO role or a GM role, because I just like clearing pathways for really intelligent people. And so um, I think it's strange, but I've had to accept that my gift is finding um, re- amazing people and then creating a pathway and then just getting out of their way and, and just That's clearing so cool. block. Yeah. yeah. And just clearing blockages when they when they come up. Um, so I, you know, I'm not unique in any way. I just happen to, um, yeah, I love just getting a group of amazing people together and then just like helping push them forward. <laughs> and clear the way. So, yeah, yeah I love it. that. And I, and mm. I think that the way of the way that you've described it is really important because I think on the surface of it, you can look at it as in we need to have 50, 50, at least representation because that's what it should be. But we, what you've actually described is looking at why. Like yeah. there's actually a big why below that, which is because the actual outputs that we're getting aren't designed for females and females make up 50%. So it just makes so much sense that yeah. you need those people there for that reason, not just to tick a box. Yeah, that, that's yeah, right. That makes that's sense. right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. It's so important. And so I think as well, it'd be cool to look at looking forward for Hatch, like what you guys are, what's the big vision that you've got in place? I know that you're only, you're only 15 months in, so I'm sure it's still very much bedding in. And I also know that you're working on a rebrand right now, which is a huge undertaking and very exciting. So I'm really keen to hear what this all looks like in like five or 10 years down the line. So I, I certainly um, banking and and making banking better, I think. And and when I say banking, it's like Hatch doesn't want to be a bank. But what we want to do again is it's we started by wanting to be a money platform. We've happened to start in growing money. Um, so we'll probably work for the next 12 months on that. So that means we firstly, we were like this most what's the most engaging thing you can do with growing money? It's probably investing in the most exciting companies and most recognizable funds in the world. Okay, done that. So now let's look at some other stuff. Um, I think we want to bring we want to look at um, some costs again when I talk about fees like this industry is rife with high fees and so how can we bring low fee products to the market so we're looking at a couple funds um, that we hope are low fee um, which is again has like fees are kind of the biggest erosion of, of people's investments and so um, I think we want to bring some low fee product uh, fund well we want to bring some low fund fee um sorry low fee funds to the market so that's kind of the next tick um we know that we probably have to add australia and australian and new zealand companies as well that feels like yeah pe- people want to invest local so we get that so that's something yeah it's not the big vision but no we've got to do that um so we've got a tick kind of and to me that feels like a curated wealth platform you can invest in some really cool companies be it in new zealand australia or 
abroad um, and then you can invest in some low fee funds and it's like you got you got your wealth sorted you don't really need to go elsewhere but then we want to move into like what other money problems people have and we, we're in this pretty enviable position where we've got um, this fantastic Kiwi group family behind us and so how can we leverage that group and look at solving kind of everyday money problems with you know really cool transactional account or a better savings account what might that look like like investing is long term but we still need um, you know a really interesting place to have short-term money. What could that look like? And so I think those are the next challenges for us kind of past 12 months um, is to develop this pretty awesome um, money platform for this like atypical Kiwi. And that's, again, I I think probably, like I said, Gen X is probably the biggest user of our platform. And so when we first started Hatch, that Hatch logo um, and kind of the look and feel was out of Natalie's brain <laughs> in about six hours. And we were like, it looks great and it's cool and it's different and it's, um, it, it's just fine. Like, again, we didn't know if we'd be around in a year. Um, and, and here we are. And it's like time to actually, um, I think it's time to. Yeah, yeah. What is a rebrand? I mean, we're not doing a rebrand for rebrand's sake, but I think what we've come to is we understand deeply who we are and what we want to do um, and who we want to honor. And that is, you know, this atypical investor who is a little bit um, anti-establishment. You know, they they kind of they're successful, they're busy, um, they don't want the status quo. They're a little bit edgy, and so I think what we're what we're trying to do with this rebrand is just really honor our customer base and and kind of where we're going. Um, so that yeah, it should be coming in a, out in about probably three to four weeks, and it really is just a byproduct of like starting lean, starting small. Let's just get a look and feel out there. Yep, looks cool. Let's do it. And then now we're like, nah, you know what? Like we we know so much more now, um, and we can take this to the next level. And um, like I said, just honor this group of investors that that are coming along the journey with us. Mm, and now you know who they are and understand yeah. them as well, which yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it's very right. exciting. I can't wait to see it. And so now we're kind of jumping back into the current world that we're living in and looking a bit at the impact of COVID-19. And we are, like you said, officially in level one now, which is very exciting. But weird. Back, so yeah, weird. Yeah, weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels like really quick, uh, but also like the longest time ever. It's just bizarre. Um, <laughs> but when COVID really ramped up in the US especially we saw that you know the huge dip in the share market and I won't know all the technical things but I know that when I look at the graphs on your website on those individual shares you can really visually see that moment in time and I guess there's a few things at play here with you guys in the COVID context there's the impact on the share markets and what what's happened there but there's also the impact on your business which is both of those things are huge so maybe to start with you can tell us a bit about what it was like for you guys and what the impact was like on on the business and the team when we headed into lockdown because I I guess you are an online business so you don't have to worry about retail stores but uh, what what happened yeah, we moved really quickly to working from home. And so it was quite, it was quickly getting people set up with desks or screens. Um, but we had, we had kept, I think we'd kept deliberately lean. Like we knew um, with Hatch, it's like, oh man, we're going to be here for the long run. We don't have um, VCs breathing down our necks to have these huge growth. I mean, naturally we want to grow, but we wanted to be really deliberate about next steps with next product and be, and really challenge ourselves to have it be innovative and, and different and and fit and solve more problems and so i think um all to say we were caught off guard we kept quite lean we had this philosophy of let's stay small um so we we went into lockdown with 12 people 
Um, and we were just caught off guard with the nation kind of wanting to um, jump into the share markets with this crash. So at first, um, obviously, it was just so interesting, the lead up, because there was stuff going on with oil. There was this COVID thing we were hearing about, um, coronavirus. There was, um, what else was going on at the time? Oh, I'm, I'm lo- it's, it's lost on me at the moment. But, but oh, and I, I suppose actually share markets were, were um, kind of at all-time highs, really. And so you had this, like, perfect storm waiting to happen, and, and sure enough, it did. And so I think, um, yeah, all to say, um, this group of 12 people ended up getting set up quite quickly at home, which was great. But then we didn't anticipate um, the volume um, of people wanting to get into the share markets. But it just made, you know, within a day, we were like, oh, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't they? This is potentially potentially like our GFC. You know, we all know in 2008 um, how the share markets have rebounded over the last decade. And it's like, oh, man, I I wish we'd invested so much more then, um, you know, and taken advantage of this incredible, um, you know, 10 years of growth in the share markets. And so what it felt like was this, um, and and I'm speaking anecdotally from from investors, of course, was like, this is our opportunity to get in. Um, And I think we saw that. So it was also a time to reflect. So first, First of all, our volume went through the roof, um, and we had some some you know very hardworking people. I, d- I don't think I left my desk um, the entire time. I had my husband bringing me three meals a day. Oh wow! Um, I know, and I was on customer support, so I think I answered about 14, 1,400 to two thousand customer support tickets. Wow. In the period. Yeah, I know oh <laughs> it was ridiculous, and that's not my job. You know, that was just to help the team out. So um, it was all like exciting and um, intense. Um, exhausting, um, but but really interesting. So, uh, so that was the first thing that was pretty crazy um, was to make sure that we kind of had self care and we were managing, w- which we weren't. Yeah. Um, but then we had to quickly hire people because we were like, this is nuts. Like we're gonna burn out. So so we had to find and hire people, of which we did. So we're a team of twenty now. Oh um, wow, that's a big increase in a short I time. Know. <laughs> I know. We were like, are you amazing? Yes. Okay. You, <laughs> we'll take you, it. You know. Yeah. yeah we got gotcha. you. Like. Um, and you can't really meet them, obviously, because they're nah. at home. And then, of course, you're, you're you have to say we're we're okay. We're in this for the long run. Like we are backed by some pretty awesome brands, and um, you're okay to leave your job and come work for mm. us. You know, like yeah, that's come, a lot. Come with us on the, yeah, come with us on this journey. So um, that was pretty cool. And then I think the other big thing was, um, and I'm sure for you personally and a lot of your friends was like take stock of your finances because for a month, you know, or, or more, we couldn't spend, and you're like, ah. Oh, we've got, you know, we've got money. And this gives us time to kind of, um, you know, where's our money been going and recognize what recognize what we've been doing with it. So that that was interesting. And that's where we saw, you know, I think, um, you know, thousand over 10,000 people sign up to their our, um, hatch getting started course, which really is about, yeah, and, and I think that was it. It was like, I get it. Like, I get it was overwhelming. And those with kids were just trying to just to survive. But some people definitely were like, I'm going to learn a thing. um, And I'm going to upskill in something because I've got time. And a lot of people chose money. And that's what we saw. And we were um, really encouraged by that. So um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, what an interesting combination of factors there for you guys and the result (laughs) they had. Like, the fact that people had a bit more money, a bit more time, and you know, we're looking for a project and that all just adds up together to to mean 10,000 new interested people in, in such oh, no, a short time. Oh, no, no, it was great. It was very oh, cool. Mad. And so we, yeah. we just had our um, first potluck uh, shared lunch the other day with the team and literally met people for the first time. <laughs> like, how so weird was that? I was just looking around this room of actually 21, like, 
really incredible people. And I'm like, wow, this yeah. is like, hey, Hatch, like, this is like a whole new world. This just happened. Yeah. 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 Oh, but, but, I, but yeah, yeah. So the only, the only thing I'd say is um, for us as a business was really that self-care. Like we, we've got a few tired people. Um, and so now it's like, okay, what, now we've got, you know, when, when do we actually get a little bit of time and what does that look like? And that's a challenge when you can't see people face to face because there's so much you can't tell just from people's emails or Zoom calls. Like you need to read them. Yeah. I think I alluded to that, like the disadvantage of this working style from home um, earlier is that um, you do end up just rolling out of bed on your computer. And before you know it, it's 11 o'clock, you haven't eaten, you might shove something in your face. um, And then, you know, it's all of a sudden it's six o'clock. And so I think um, that's probably not really healthy either. And so I think... Well, as much as I think productivity, fantastic, working from home, great, I, th- I think I think as a society, we're going to have to be really careful um, about people actually just never leaving work, um, which again is that physical, when you physically leave work, there's that break. Um, so yeah, there's just some people that don't do that well. And also just the human connection aspect, I think is a big part of it. Like not just, not just how hard you're working, but just the fact that you're not getting that, the I think we all Friday drinks yeah yeah I mean we're all different not everyone needs that but even to some extent I think everyone needs a little bit of human connection in some way that's right absolutely yeah yeah and so kind of more medium term coming out of this which I know would be a long road but we're potentially looking at at a recession and depression coming up what does that look like Mm -hmm. for Hatch do you are you expecting that there'll be a bit of decline at some stage with people feeling a bit unsure about jobs and finances and things um yeah Let's see, we haven't, you know, it's going to be interesting because it'll depend with level one, how quickly the economy will rebound. Um, uh, you know, we, we did, we certainly did target a group of people, again, um, ambitious Kiwis that that um, have some disposable income to invest. So I would say it's a, it's a lower risk group than someone who doesn't know what they're doing and just throws all their money into I don't know, Hertz, who's about to go bankrupt or or Air New Zealand, like, you know, when it was a bit shaky there for a while. Um, I, I think we're not really seeing those behaviors on Hatch. I think we've been pretty deliberate about when we got the odd person writing us about um, just you knew they were asking the wrong questions when they're signing up to Hatch. I think it's probably pretty responsible to be like, here's our getting started course. Here's a bunch of resources. Go and, and you know, really skill up and um, understand what you're doing. Like share markets are for the long run here, like over five years um, and we're in, in for some bumps ahead so I think we've done a really good job about getting the right people on the hatch platform um, and and taking that seriously and then educating those that aren't probably quite ready to be doing it but I think um, yeah yeah you know what I think jury's out on that one it's a really tough it's a tough question um, to answer I feel I certainly feel like I've been in a bubble because I've we've just been so fortunate not only to have our jobs but to even grow through this period um, but I absolutely recognize that are, there are a number of um, people that are hurting um, out there so oh yeah come on New Zealand we've got this we've got this you know support local um oh We've got this. Yeah, that's all so handy. And I just really yeah, appreciate you sharing your wisdom on all of that. And mm. before we wrap up, it would be really cool just to get from you a bit of advice. And I'm thinking maybe it would be 
good if we could think about maybe a tip you've got for investing because that's something that I'm going to be looking at soon. But then also, Mm. I'm just going to slam you with two requests here, but something bigger that you've learned along the way in life or business or anything that kind of inspires you and shows you direction. Well, the first first one's so easy because it's investing. And I would just say um, the best time to start investing is yesterday. The second best time is today. Um, Find the platform that's for you. There's there's obviously a number of great options in the New Zealand marketplace. And you can switch. Like if you start with one and you want to switch to another in a year, that's so cool. But just start. Um, And the way that we um, usually see people starting is um, take say $500 and you're using it as um, think of it as education probably the best education you're ever going to get and put it into there's two things you could do you could put it into a company Um, so pick a company that you love that you know that all your friends are using and then just start to watch what your money does over a period of three to six months and you'll start to learn um, how the share markets work um, just in terms of let's say it's I don't know, say it's Microsoft and, um, you, you know, you're using Microsoft products and you back, um, you know, you kind of back what the company's doing and, and development. Um, and you're watching kind of earnings reports. So you can take it. That's the report cards and you'll see your share price kind of go up and down depending on how the company is doing. Um, it's likely that a lot of people used Microsoft Teams or um, some of their other, um, you know, products. And so it's, it's likely that they've done quite well over, um, this COVID crisis. And so that's a learning point. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Whereas others, um, just, uh, distribution channels might have been disrupt, disrupted and maybe not doing so well. Or maybe, um, you know, if you've invested in an airline or, you know, so I think, I think anything is just viewed as learning and you'll start to learn why the share price is going up and why it's going down. Find a community of people to learn from. We've got an investor club where people and ask questions and um, kind of learn. So that's one way to start um, today. And the second way is is just to put it in a really well diversified fund. And that's um, an option, you know, Warren Buffett just says, put money in an S&P 500 fund and just set, you know, just keep contributing to it and set it and forget it. I'm not saying that's the solution, but you don't actually have to make it harder than it is. Um, you know, the the yeah, the S&P 500 is like a collection of the 500 biggest companies in the States. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty good indicator of the market, the U.S. share markets. And so if you want to start somewhere, um, it's pretty well diversified and you can kind of watch that and, and learn um, with that as well. Oh, now your second question. <laughs> Something I've learned along the way. Best piece of advice um, for females is... Um, I'm just actually for anyone, um, but but females in particular, know yourself. Um, and so it's taken me, I just had a realization, like I'm in my um, early 40s, and I kind of really understood myself at 40 and the value I bring. And so when I kind of described myself to you earlier, like my magic, um, I don't have to be more than that. Like I can actually just be really good at finding great people, bringing teams together and selling a vision and then clearing the way. Like I'm actually okay with that. I don't, I, I don't have to be anything else. And so find out whatever your thing is and then demand a good salary for it. Um, I, f- I find too many women coming in and not sure about themselves or the skills they bring to the table. And then you ask what 
you know, the salary, which I don't ask salary expectations because I hate that's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, they're, they're always like discounting themselves. And so I think um, know yourself, know kind of your craft and hone it, you know, spend your 20s and your 30s honing that craft. And then in your 40s, demand a lot of money for it. If that's something that you've got your business on the corner of a shop or you're in a, in a big business, demand a lot of money for your craft because, you know, you're uniquely you and you're probably the better than anyone else at it. So back yourself and kind of own own that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Kristen. I My really pleasure. have found this all just, yeah, really interesting and also very inspiring, just everything you're doing as a tech entrepreneur and also everything you're doing around females and leadership. I, I'm definitely going to be following along and keeping an eye on the progress you're making and those exciting plans that you tipped us off on. So thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. It was so nice chatting. It was. Thank you, Kristen. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Oh, I am just fizzing after my chat with Kristen. As I suspected, she was just so inspiring to hear all about her adventures in New Zealand startups and also just her spirit and enthusiasm and that advice. I won't be forgetting any of that in a hurry. If you're keen to give Hatch a go like I am, you can head to hatch.as slash peptalknz when you sign up and you will get a handy $20 credit in your account when you deposit $100. Come along with me while I give it a go and follow my journey over on Instagram at peptalknz. Until next time, bye.